Welcome to our special holiday edition of Practically Political. I'm Dave Spencer. And I'm Carrie Sheffield. Let's get right to it. 2023 is wrapping up. Uh, Dave, I know we talked about what we want to award on this program. Well, I'm curious to hear your awards. So what are what we're calling the nuggets, the golden nuggets of the year and the lumps of coal of the year? And so we've got a major and a minor of each. So let's start with the minor lump of coal of the year. Who was yours? The minor lump of coal to me is Attorney General from Texas, Ken Paxton. I mean, this guy just is, again, like some people we know, there's no such thing as rock bottom. First, the guy is involved in this massive securities fraud. He, and then he gets by, I would not say in a, a very liberal Texas legislature, he gets impeached. And then he becomes the Andrew Johnson of state politics, survives con- conviction by one vote. And then he does exactly what everyone was fearful what happened after Roe versus Wade was overturned. He tries to intervene. He intervenes in this uh, Texas case where a judge had actually allowed a woman to have an abortion because her fertility was at risk. So he is he is my winner for the minor lump of coal. How about you? Who would who would be who would you put on there? There are many, but I think Hunter Biden is my minor. Um, you know, he could very well be facing in the new year. Uh, contempt of court, so or contempt of Congress, and I mean this is all political theater. I, I think everybody wants us to focus, as as we like to say on the show, we're pragmatists, um, and I think whether it's I, and I said this, you know, impeaching Donald Trump uh, wasn't a good idea. I don't think right now impeaching Joe Biden is at the top of the list for the vast majority of people. So I will give you that. Like I, I think that. The investigation should continue, but I don't think there's enough to proceed with impeachment. So, but that being said, Hunter Biden is, you know, he's got multiple felony charges, so he is my minor league. Yes, and I am not going to defend Hunter Biden. The only thing I would say is, as far as these fourth impeachment in our era goes, the other three, whether it was Clinton with the intern or the phone call with Trump or January 6th, whether or not you agreed, at least there was a reason for the impeachment. James Comer and his gang uh, can't even come up with a reason. They're investigating to find a reason. And I agree with you that let's not put the horse before yes. the cards. All right, yes. let's let's talk minor gold. Who's your minor gold? Next? Minor gold to me is actually Pennsylvania Senator John Fetterman, who not only during the campaign, which was last year, was very honest about his condition. Then he was very straightforward about his being treated for depression. He's recovering better from his stroke than his detractors said. And most important, perhaps, he's really been very good on a lot of issues. He's been a pragmatist about Israel. He's been a pragmatist about immigration. So three cheers for John Fetterman for overcoming his hardships and and being a very reasonable senator. Well, we can agree on the Israel. So let's keep with what we agree on this holiday season. All right. How about you? I think for my minor, I, I don't think she got enough attention, but Sandra Day O'Connor, her passing, mm-hmm. you know, she was a trailblazer. I mean, because she was before Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right? Like she was the first mm-hmm. woman. And I think as a, as a more conservative woman, just to see the lack of attention and the lionizing for Ruth Bader Ginsburg compared to her, I'm not, I'm not detracting at all from Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but it just seemed sad to me that she was not 
better honored in the mainstream press, that you didn't see wall-to-wall coverage mourning her loss, even though she was the first. You know, she really blazed trails for so many women of all backgrounds. And so she is my minor gold star. And by the way, I would say, I think Sandra Day O'Connor's most underrated good thing that she did is she's been doing, trying to address something, which I think is the most under the radar uh, threat to our democracy, and that is the election of judges, which 39 states do. And that's been one of her major causes, is trying to get that away, because in this era of bigger and bigger campaign money, it's Mm. impossible. Look at that race in Wisconsin earlier this year, right? It's impossible not to have money influence judges. And so I so admire her for doing but that. But is your preference to it, for it to be appointed then? Absolutely. Because the appointments will then be by a politician, which is right. still and that's an elected why you, person. So. Right, but you go back and forth. You know, I mean, I think that Republican presidents, if they're qualified, are allowed to appoint conservative uh, uh, just judges. And I think Democratic presidents, as long as they're uh, qualified, are allowed to uh, and should be entitled to provoke to promote or uh, liberal judges. And, you know, and this was one of, this used to be an agreement. Even both of Obama's nominees got over 60 votes. And yeah. that was before you Mitch, know, I, Mitch McConnell broke the process I, when he I, stole the seat. I haven't researched this idea enough, but conceptually I like what you're saying because mm-hmm. I do agree a judge should be spending their time researching jurisprudence, not right. campaigning. So exactly. I need to look more into it, but, and I do love Sandra O'Connor. So, yes. all right, let's move to the, Major lump of coal. Uh-oh. So who was your major lump of coal? Well, my major lump of coal, unfortunately, uh, though I admire what he's done in a lot of ways, is Elon Musk because he has destroyed Twitter or X, excuse me, uh, which whatever you thought about it, I think it had its issues, but it was a good forum for conversation. Now, I mean, letting Alex Jones back on. Plus, he turned off his Starlink satellite network when the Ukraine, when the Ukrainian army needed it most. He's done these anti-Semitic rants, and he just is someone, this wouldn't be such a big deal, but he's really, frankly, depended upon by the federal government for a lot of things. So, unfortunately, Elon gets my nod. How about you? Well, um, I, well, you might not be surprised, but my major lump of coal is going to President Biden, uh, and I am certainly not the only one who feels this way, Um, and even... Now, I think it's only 61% of Democrats approve of him, which is not very high when you're talking about your own party. Um, and overall, his approval rating is only about 33, 34%, according to Pew. People are, I mean, the economy, I think, is is really the, the top item here, that the inflation is not going away. And unfortunately, he's putting on more and more of these green mandates that are making costs go up. He's putting, uh, like, the regulatory state, I think, is the untold lump of coal uh, that is just stifling business creation, business formation, R&D. So to me, that's it. But unfortunately, we all get a lump of coal because of him. Yeah, uh, well, we will We will certainly see. I think that he is not in a good position right now, but uh, we have almost a year in term, until the election which is several lifetimes in in politics. And I think that there's a lot that can happen. So I'm going to hold off on passing judgment on the election right now because I think it's too early. All right. Well, who is your positive, your major gold nugget? Well, I would say if you were looking at, um, and this is very unconventional, but I'm going to go with Ted Lasso because Ted Lasso, the reason the show is caught on with so many people is because it's about 
learning from mistakes. It's about having optimism. It's about accountability. It's about throwing yourself into things in a positive way. In short, it's about everything that is so lacking in so much of our world, particularly our political system right now. You know, I mean, you have Donald Trump who still won't even acknowledge that he lost the popular vote to Hillary Clinton or that Barack Obama had a bigger inaugural crowd, right? Not to mention the election and all the other stuff. And, and this is true, nobody, and this is true in corporations. I mean, it's true with Benjamin Netanyahu who tried to blame his intelligence services for all his incredible failures. You know, no one's accountable. Nobody learns from their mistakes. So Ted Lasso, here's to you, man. <laughs> How about you? I like how positive that is. You know, a friend of mine went through a really, really rough divorce and he got a lot of refuge from that show, actually. It really helped him. Everything that you said about staying positive. I've been surprised (laughs) how many people, because I I would have never thought about it. I like the show. Yeah. But I talked, and there were like 10 people that talked about how Ted Lasso not only inspired them, but also is exactly what people wish we had in our political system and frankly, in a lot of our corporate world as well. Yeah. How about you? I, and I like that it's not a political figure because yeah. that's where the solutions have to come from. <laughs> so uh, I think for me, uh, Golden Nugget, the woman, the women of Iran, um, they have just been just so stalwart. I mean, this has been going on now for more than a year, and I don't want to forget them. I think that it's so quick and easy in the news cycles, too. And also the women of Afghanistan as well. Um, you know, they're the ones who are suppressed under these regimes. And my heart goes out to them. And I just, as a woman here in America, I, I don't take for granted what I have, my freedoms. And I I just, to just to know that these women are, you've got the, you know, the the hair police or the veil police. I mean, just the, the most basic minor things that I take for granted and that we take for granted in the U.S., like these women have to fight existentially every day. And so I, I just, it's, it's a sad situation, but I, I'm giving them my gold nugget because we, we have to keep giving them attention. We have to say like, this is, this sort of ideology cannot stand. And, and my very good friend, Azra Nomani, she's here in the U.S. and she's very vocal about standing up. She, she was raised, you know, Islam and she's written several books. She was very good friends with Daniel Pearl. She has a project called the Pearl Project in his honor. She worked at the Wall Street Journal mm-hmm. with him for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so what she's done to help reform Islam and and say you don't have to suppress mm. women, you don't have to treat them this way. She's an inspiration to me and and all the women of Iran and the women of Afghanistan. Yeah, I think that's a, a really good choice. And one of my great disappointments was that when you had those protests in Iran and you had really since, almost since the revolution, the greatest protests, though 2009 were certainly big. But unfortunately, there wasn't an alternative. You know, when, when you have protest, anger is great, but that there has to be an alternative and in terms of leadership, and there right. wasn't. So now things have come back down, and, frankly, and unfortunately, Iran is worse than ever in terms of sponsoring terrorism mm-hmm. and oppressing human rights and doing so many dastardly deeds. So yeah. that's, a, that's a good call. Yeah, well, thanks. Well, let's talk now just in general. What did you like most about 2023? Well, what I like most about 2023 is that we avoided a lot of the dire and doomsday scenarios that a lot of people thought we were going to have, whether it was going into a recession, whether it was, uh, you know, uh, Putin winning in Ukraine, whether it was Israel getting sucked into a three front war. There was a lot of stuff that could have happened that didn't. And I think that's great for this country. I think we have an opportunity moving into next year 
to build upon that. Uh, and again, look at the stock markets coming back. There's a, there's a, a lot of things that we, again, we, we have the so-called soft landing. So there's, there's a, a lot, I think, to be grateful. More, I was happy of the things that didn't happen in 2023 as opposed to the things that did happen. How about you? I like that optimistic yeah. attitude. That's a yeah. great Ted Lasso optimism. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, there's, uh, it was interesting for, for this year. I, I think what I, what I liked to see, at least in my life, um, was at least culturally, I would say, there has been an upsurge in people who, uh, who are open to faith, like young people. So there was this survey, and I've seen other data as well, but um, Wellspring researches young people like Generation Z, and they found that more young people are open to the idea of God, in part because of what happened with COVID and the sense of isolation and separation and a crisis of meaning, and they're more open to God right now. And I wrote an op-ed about this, and I presented the data. The Wall Street Journal had written about the data as well, and Cardinal Dolan saw my piece in the New York Post, and he said, this is a great piece. Do you want to come on my podcast to talk about it? And I'm like, this is a bucket list item I didn't know I had. Of yeah. course I want to go on Cardinal yeah. Dolan's podcast and talk about how can we bring hope and uh, connect people to, you know, because like the Bible says, God is love ultimately. So whether or not you believe in God, I it was funny when I was agnostic and the Bible would say God is love. I'm like, okay, by the transitive property, I believe in love. So you're saying I believe in God. However you want to phrase it, it is love. It's a higher source. It's a higher meaning. It's a higher purpose. More people are open to that right now. And I think to me, that gives me hope. Yeah, and I, I agree because I think you and I certainly have different views on religion, but I always draw the line between faith and religion. Faith is your personal set of beliefs, which is the most important thing you can have and the one thing no one can ever take away from you, right? You can lose everything else. Right. Whereas religion is the proselytizing, the cramming of parochial laws down the throat of our secular society, you it's know, the, 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 the scandals dogma. at the Catholic Church, the dogma, all this stuff. And so I also agree that one of the problems we've had in this country is we have the best way to describe it is, is so we have a morality gap where I think people are rudderless. And that's one of the great benefits of church. And a lot of things that uh, religion does for people is it gives them uh, a North Star, a Polaris, if you will. And so I think I, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm glad to see that that's happening, and I hope it continues to happen. Yeah. Well, let's take a downward spiral. What are you most scared about for 2024? What I'm most scared about for 2024 is I just I don't know if Americans are ready for what could potentially happen in 2024. And again, I'm not just talking about the election. I think that's certainly a, a big issue because I think people haven't tuned in to uh, what could happen if Donald Trump is reelected. And uh, I think also what uh, could happen in terms of the wars. There's just a lot of stuff that, again, that didn't happen in 23 that could still happen in 24. I'm worried about the Ukrainian, Ukrainian funding. I'm worried about Netanyahu going to press the war to save his skin uh, and Israel's reputation being uh, tarnished even more. And every time a family is killed, embalmed uh, in, in Gaza, the people that survive are the terrorists of tomorrow. So I'm worried about a lot of that stuff. And I think that 2024 has a chance to be one of the most, uh, I would say, impactful and not in a good way years that we've had in quite a long time. How about you? Yeah, it's, it's sober. It's, I mean, it's so many fronts of instability. 
Um, so I think to me, the biggest threat is China. So I'm most worried about that for 2024 because seeing how much they're info, they really want to erode the West. They, they're on the long game. They believe that freedom and democracy are fundamentally incompatible with longevity and stability. And they're doing everything they can to prove that. And from, you know, sowing seeds on TikTok and putting the most garbage content that they don't put for their own children in China. It's a very different TikTok in China versus America. And um, buying up all our farmland, that's a national security issue, including farmland close to, um, you know, key military assets in the U.S. That's something I talked about recently with Senator Rob, former Senator Rob Portman. Um, he said that's a concern for him. Um, and and then just the cyber issues as well as their build up, their naval capabilities compared to ours. They're leaving us in the dust and in, in the trajectory of where they're going. And then obviously with Taiwan, but also their belt and road and how they're having inroads all over Africa, South America. So and they're also watching weakness on the West or how are we, how are we responding on these other central playing grounds? Um, so that's what I'm looking out for most, but. Well, I would, again, I am less worried about China for one main major reason, that Xi Jinping has way overplayed his hand. When you look at the standing of the Chinese communist party around the world, you look at the way that he's gone after tech, you look at the overreaction to COVID, you look at the anemic growth, you look at the bellicose foreign policy in terms of harassing ships in the South China Sea, claiming land that's not theirs. So I am less worried about China, frankly, because of Xi Jinping. And I think there are, but overall, though, it does seem that when you look around that the bad guys are winning in a lot of ways. And that does concern me. Yeah. And um, well, let's move to a final note of the show. Um, leave our viewers with some hope. What are you most hopeful for in 2024? Well, I, what I'm most hopeful for in 2024 is that the world is actually going to get its act together. And that I think people are going to tune into the election. I mean this domestically and internationally. People are going to tune into the election. I think the, the economy will continue to get better. I think Biden will start to get credit. I think you're going to have interest rates, interest rate cuts, which a lot of economists are saying that we need now to prevent over tightening. So people are going to feel it in their pocketbooks because I think the economy has done pretty well under Biden and he hasn't gotten credit for it because people aren't feeling it. And you can't tell people to feel what they don't feel. And I think that's a mistake. I think the Biden Bidenomics marketing was a disaster. But having said that, I think that a lot of good things have been done. And I think the country is poised, actually, to have a very good year as long as the external factors that we've talked about before don't royal things. Yeah, I, I'm hopeful. I, I'd love to see the economy turn around. I would, you know, even even if it I is don't turning like around Biden. already. <laughs> well, it's uh, already happening. But people don't, and it's more than just feeling. It's numbers. So, like the buying power, you have 17 percent less buying power than when Biden took office, thanks to inflation. So we're 17 percent less poor or less wealthy than when Biden took office. So well, that's in the past. Wage I'm growth about the future. is. No, but but I'm talking about his entire administration and people. That's how they determine where where you're at. So, but but I'm hopeful too. So I'm hopeful that things will improve. Um, I, for for me, I think also I'm I'm hopeful. Uh, for me personally, I've got my book coming out on March 12th, 2024. So uh, I'm hopeful that it will 
be whatever level it, it reaches, I'm hopeful that it will have a positive impact on people who, you know, I, I thought of a two, a two audience, a two main audience, both to people who are believers and non-believers, just overall for people to have hope um, because the, you know, it's a memoir about uh, a very traumatic and abusive childhood and a lot of mental illness that I suffered from depression to suicidal ideation and anxiety. Um, and just got through it through my faith in God, um, through amazing people and friends um, like Dave. Um, and so I, I want to share that message of hope and optimism that even if you had a very difficult childhood or if you've been through extreme trauma and adversity, um, that and I, and I know you know a lot about that, too. And we um, both experienced yeah. it in our own way. Yeah. In spades. Yeah. So I'm hopeful that with this book, and I've already got some speaking um, engagements lined up, and I'm I'm hoping that um, I'll be able to impart some positive uh, messages and just encourage people because I know for me, how I got through it is because people encouraged me, and so I feel like I have to pay it forward. So, no, I agree, and I I I couldn't uh, let us finish without saying that if there had to be a grand prize winner, unfortunately, it would have to be our 45th president. Mr. Trump, who is not only getting more deranged by the day. Dave, we is, were on such a positive note. I can't. I, you, we, 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 we just, just the facts, ma'am. Just, just the facts, ma'am. No, but you think about it. There's a, the there's a trifecta here, okay? When we could, being the dictator for a day and weaponizing the Justice Department. Dave, you should have brought that lionizing, up. Lionizing, uh, Dictators quoting used to just quote them. Now he's quoting them by name. You know, it's not just the the poisoning the blood, but Putin thinks our system of democ uh, democracy is rotten. And then also you have the, his plan once he get in to not only put his lackeys in, which is about four thousand appointments, but then you have Section F, which would allow him fifty thousand more employees. So, I mean, again, this is part of what I'm hoping that America is going to tune into the election and listen. And I think that if people hear more what's being said and they tune in, that they'll make the decision. I also think the only thing, unfortunately, that could change people's views is if he's actually convicted. As I've heard, there are about 10 percent of his voters who would not, despite every Republican presidential candidate other than Chris Christie, I think there are some voters who would not support him. So, so I'm you're hopeful he'll get convicted is the short of what you're saying. I, I didn't I didn't say that. I'm just saying that if 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 he were that it that's the only thing that could change the outcome right now unless people tune into the election more. Which yeah. I which I hope or, they will or circumstances could change with the economy. I mean a lot can right. happen between now and November. So we'll we'll see. But um yeah I, I think even if Trump wins from my perspective Conservatives have a lot more to do on the cultural front because you can you can ram through your your schedule F. You could do these things for four years. But then if you don't actually have a mandate culturally, sustainably long term and the right has very much lost the culture wars. And I think that that the foundations of our culture, that's where the, the conservatives should be focused. So even if they do win the election, it's it's a short term thing. So I'm, I'm all about the long game. So. No, I agree. And I think that the uh, in some areas, the culture wars have been won, but I think they've been terribly fought. Uh, that would be the way I would I would say it in terms of, again, hands being overplayed. You look at Ron DeSantis in, in Florida, who was a reasonable guy. And then all of a sudden, six week abortion bans and 
12 year olds being able to carry guns without permits and all this stuff. It's so I think that uh, I think that once we get past the election, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, politicians, governors feeling that they're not going to have to out Trump Trump. And that in itself will greatly improve our political system. And I think uh, the way Americans feel about it. So on that note, we will love once again to wish you the happiest of holidays. It's been a real honor being with you this year. And Carrie and I have had a great time. And the one thing we're always so, so adamant about is being civil because we disagree on a lot of things. But I, don't, I challenge anyone to find one of our podcasts where we haven't been respectful and appreciative of each other. And that is so lacking in our political system. So I hope we'll, that's my final wish for 2024. That, People, when they have a debate, will, will be more like practically political. <laughs> I'm with you. I second that motion. And, and it's been a pleasure having you all with us this year. And I mean, 2024 for us, for practically political, like we're going we're gonna to have a lot of content. It's going to be a wild ride, I'm sure. So we're looking forward to it and looking forward to have you along for the ride as well. There will not be a dearth of topic nor conversation. Nope. Once again. I hope all your New Year's wishes come true, and we look forward to seeing you in 2024.